Hello, Defenders. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. I'm Andrew Harris. Thanks for joining us. Uh, as always, I'm uh, accompanied on this episode by our beloved co-host, Andrew Decker. Oh, thank you. Yeah. How are you, man? Well, my hair is getting long and shaggy. Uh, Me too. We are on day, what, 1,000 of quarantine, <laughs> feels, it feels like. Feels like it. Um, when was the last time you were actually in a courtroom? Um, I, you know, randomly was in on, I, I picked up a CPS case and I was there two weeks ago Okay. on a case for like 10 minutes. And it was really weird. Everybody was so far apart. We exited at different times so we wouldn't like cross paths and, and whatnot. But we had an updated hearing on that same case yesterday by Zoom is what uh, the technology all the courts are using now. And that was kind of interesting. Okay. Uh, have you done any of that? Uh, I've I've done some plea. Well, first of all, I was in court last week uh, for a plea on a DWI, um, and there was there was no one there. Like there yeah, was, it's, it's eerie, right? It, it is. It is weird. It's like when you when you for some reason have to run by the court in the afternoon, uh, and there you know like just like the judge comes out to talk to you. That's kind of the way it feels. Yeah. It's very. Informal everything a little and, more informal yeah. and um just oddly quiet you know i wanted to be a defense attorney i wanted to be you know basically just a litigation attorney because i loved the atmosphere um in inside a courtroom everybody the the, the spectators the defendants the the inmates the, bailiffs. the spectators i like Spect that there are spectators <laughs> it is an open forum right, right. so Sometimes they're holding you do, up signs. Yeah, and yeah. they're cheering. And yeah, you can no. tell, you know, which side they're sitting on, who they're rooting for. But <laughs> they're never rooting for us. No. Um, but I liked that atmosphere. And this is so weird and like out of character, I guess, for uh, for just the work that we do. It, it is completely different. It is completely different. But I've but I have done some Zoom uh, settings. I've had. Um, some pleas uh, via Zoom, and I think you have too, where yep. we've actually had uh, done jail runs via Zoom, where had six or eight clients uh, done that. Went yeah, and saw them at the jail, talked to them through the plexiglass, which is probably almost as safe as you can be with anyone. Yeah, um, they signed a few things, uh, took them to the front, left them with the uh, with the guard until the next day when they could be fingerprinted, and then they were brought back over to the court. Um. And those were done by Zoom. Uh, literally, if I wouldn't have had an in-person plea on that same time, I wouldn't have even had to go to the court. Right. Um, I've done, I've done one. I've done one in a district court where I sat. I sat at my desk. Yeah, I um, have as well. Uh, so, so when you do one by Zoom, uh, yes, I'm fully dressed. Oh, well, of course. I, I know. You, I, well, I wasn't going to ask that. I was going to ask: Do you do you dress for court? Do you put on a coat and tie, or do you? Yeah. You know, like right now, you and I are both in a more casual shirt than we normally would be. Oh man, I put on shoes. That's a it's a miracle. <laughs> um, yes, I. You know, I know some people are saying like the, you know they have like board shorts on or bathing suits on, um, and then you know with a with a shirt and tie that feels so weird and alien to me. It, it's not. I don't even think it's funny. Like I just gotta, I just gotta dress the part. Right. You know? Well, and and if and if it really is only a fifteen minute setting, and you dress the part fifteen minutes, when you get done, you can go put your board shorts on. Oh yeah. 
right? You know, it's not that big of a deal. But, uh, yeah, I wore a coat and tie. Per usual for me. Yeah, um, coat and tie. And, and honestly, I I think the court would require all parties to still maintain proper courtroom decorum. Well, uh, you know, we've heard that there have been some judges who have had to let some people know, hey, I can tell you're still laying in bed. Um I don't yeah. know those persons exactly, but a good friend of mine uh, got in trouble. A judge that normally doesn't let coffee in the courtroom. I was going to ask. I think you're the one that told me this story, right? About the coffee over Zoom. Right. Yeah. My friend Jessica uh, went and, 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 you know, she's on a Zoom setting doing some pleas, doing some negotiation, and picks up her coffee and takes a drink. And the judge said, you know, by her, by her last name, I won't call her out by last name yeah. in case people know her. Jessica, you know, you know, I don't allow coffee in my courtroom. I don't want you to be drinking coffee during this hearing. Well, okay, hey. all right. At least, at least he's established that this is this is a decorum. Right, it's probably embarrassing for her. Um, it's some continuity. I mean, you you know, you you know what to expect. I guess doesn't really matter. You know, the the medium that you're holding the hearing over is just the the rules are the rules. You got to maintain the rules. Right. So. Um, you know, I do you think this is the new normal? Do you I mean, what do you think? So so we we you and I both have actually talked to a few of the judges we practiced before. Um and it seems that especially for in custody pleas, um, that there are gonna be some judges that I think stick with it. Uh yeah. they like it. Uh it is the sheriff out here in Parker County likes it because he's got less risk moving people. Um uh, it, it makes our, it looks a little less, um, ominous when you walk into, especially the, the county court at law number two, where you've got sometimes 10 or 15 men and women in jumpsuits and, and literally shackled. Yeah. Um, and remember these, these are, these are people that couldn't do more than a year in the county jail based on their offense and they are shackled hands and feet. Um, you know, and, and that makes the person who's got the same offense, but coming in in a, in, in you know jeans and a, and a nice shirt, look over at the other side of the room with a with a holy crap! What did they do? Exactly. Well, they did the exact same thing you did, but they couldn't bond out. Yeah, they just can't afford to bond out. Right. So we talked about that before. All right, we've talked about it. Um, <laughs> that, that it does make a difference. Um, so so I think in that sense there may be a new norm that some stuff d- is done on Zoom, and you and I've talked about it. We think that it actually works fairly well. Um, I don't feel like any of those clients that I've handled via Zoom so far that were in custody, I don't think that they received anything less yeah. uh, than they would have received from me otherwise. I agree. For for some of these, like, more, uh, I, I, I don't think there's an issue completing that work over Zoom. It's a little bit more efficient. Like you said, logistically, it just makes a little bit more sense um you know from a security standpoint right um and i i think a lot of the courts are going to realize that all you know all of these settings forcing people to come in you know every two weeks once a month or whatever it's just useless it it, it's too much it costs too much money it it can be done you know over video it can be done um you know online as opposed to well like in, in in dallas county for example uh, generally the defendant does not have to appear unless there's a problem, right. right? Or they're ready to plea their case. So if it's just to go in and get a negotiation, talk to the prosecutor, the, the attorney has to show up, but the, the defendant does not. Okay. Um, 
right now in in Tarrant, and, and that's the standard for Dallas County. So right now in Tarrant County, uh, they're not having any in-person stuff, and nothing's happening. We're not we're not even really negotiating anymore if the person is on bond. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, you, everything you, you, is on hold. Right. You can negotiate. You can try to work out a deal, but basically, you're being told, um, not, not, not sending it for a plea, unless they're going into custody. Right. Um, and part of that is that probation's not able to do anything. So, uh, but on on a DWI first, or on a minor theft, or on. Um, uh, you know, a simple, you know, not a simple assault, but a assault bodily injury. You got in a fight with, with a guy at the bar, um, which I guess you couldn't do right now, but let's say that you got into that sure. in February and it's now being, you know, being heard. Um, why, why can't I get my guy on a probation so that he can get finished with it? Well, and I'm, I'm curious too. I know you do a lot more work in Fort Worth than I do, but they've got some pretty good pretrial diversion programs that have a filing deadline like a, a deadline from the filing dates like right. what, 90, 90 days 90 days right are they relaxing that i mean how, if, not if, not that i'm aware of yet but yeah. i ha- i haven't had one of those come up yet i actually I guess i kind of did uh i might have had somebody who was eligible i talked to this morning on a new appointed case um but i i don't know that she's going to qualify because she uh lives in michigan Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. You, you so, have to be. You have to appear here and and all that kind right, of stuff. Right. Right. So so that that's going to be an issue. Um, and I, and I feel like I should point out to some of our listeners: if you are, you know, maybe you're a defendant out there uh, who who may have just heard us, you know, about your requirement to go into court. Don't don't take anything that we say as um, as gospel for for your particular case. Right. Don't for just your say, setting. Hey, Andrew and Andrew said. Dallas County, they don't have to go in to right, court, because, contact your attorney. Right. right. Your attorney may have a different standard. Yeah. Even in Dallas County, I generally the few cases I handle in Dallas, I generally ask my client to appear because that's the way I do it everywhere else. It also lets me put some eyes on them. Right. Um, e- even if all I do is say, hey, this is what we did today. If you're traveling, it's nice to touch base with that client. That's probably the best way to do that is, right. hey, let's just meet at the courthouse. They've got rooms that we can sit in, et cetera. Right, right. So, and you and I have also done some plea negotiations by just email and telephone. Yes. But that's, honestly, that's routine. Lot, that, yeah. that, 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 that's routine regardless. But now it's been cranked up maybe two notches. You know, we've turned the knob to 11 on the plea negotiation by email and, and right. so forth. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying by routine. I mean, like that is to me. That's another reason why it's a little unnecessary to bring in everybody for court to have a plea negotiation docket. All of that, like attorneys, should be constantly negotiating on their cases, anyways, right? Getting the discovery, and now we start the negotiation process to see if we're actually going to try it or not. So I, I don't know if that's going to be something that changes in the future for some of these courts that have plea negotiation settings. Um, it really should just be disposition settings. Like you have your plea negotiation form, you know, prosecutors should be sending that out to defense attorneys anyways, which is a, I know we've talked about like, that's kind of a headache, uh, for us sometimes. Um, but if we can get those plea negotiations and just set it for a plea. Right. Uh, but, that, but any, any time that I've really needed a plea offer in any County and have reached a point where I, where somehow it hasn't gotten to me, if I reach out to the prosecutor, I would say easily nine times out of ten, if I if if I haven't gotten already, and I reach out to the prosecutor and go, "Hey, what do you think you want to do with this case?" Um, they're gonna they're gonna send me send me back something. Well, I'm thinking, you know, and they'll they'll give me something. 
right? Um, and then, then the negotiation can start. Hey, did you know that he's a vet? Did you know that she is, um, yeah. you know, well, uh, suffers right. from, you know, she was abused by her dad. You get a packet together and right, all of right, that. Right. And, and to be honest, you know, I do, I say like going into court probably for that is unnecessary. I like to do a bunch of this stuff in person, face to face. And we've talked about that. Yeah. And I, and I, I do think there's probably something that's lost. It's easier to get a no from a prosecutor over email than face to face. Well, it's easier for me to tell you no by text than it is if you actually like come to my house and beat on the door and go, Hey, do you want to, you want to hang out? Yeah. That's why I don't answer your phone calls. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm well aware. (laughs) But, uh, no click. (laughs) So we recognize, right? Like as attorneys, just as people, as, you know, professional communicators, there's a lot that can be lost over the internet, right? Like the, the two dimensional video is, uh, is, uh, you know, there's, there's a, you can't evaluate somebody's body language just by watching a video. It could be different than if you're actually there in person. Right. Well, we'll just, just go with you. You said via text a few, a few minutes ago, yeah. a text is really hard to read emotion in. Oh man. <laughs> right. <laughs> a text, a letter, an email, and, and we've all had the joke or the sarcasm um, or, or something we meant is serious, be read at the other end completely. House, right. Right. Yeah. Or, or they're, they're, they're thinking we were making a joke and we're like, no, we were really being serious about that. Right. If, if we're doing something via Zoom, via, via live telechat of some sort where we can see them and they can see us, you pick up a little bit more nuance, but it's still, it's still going to be a little bit flat. Well, why? Because if you try to talk over each other, you might lose the connection. If you, um, you can't necessarily see everything they're doing with their body, uh, so that's not as good as being face to face. So, so text is always bottom. Telephone would be next, right? Via face. Via, via face teleconference, better. Yeah, look. and then face to face is even better than that, right? Um, uh, but that's just general communication skills. So yesterday, uh. It, uh a civil judge in Collin County announced that on Monday she is going to have a Zoom civil trial for a for a what what they call a, a jury summary trial. Yeah. Um, and I actually had to look this up because I was like, "What's a jury summary trial? Right. Or yeah. a summary trial by jury? Do you know what it is? No. I mean, I did a bu- I did some civil work earlier, but I mean, is it just a motion for summary judgment hearing? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Uh, they're actually bring in six jurors unless the both sides agree to something different. Um, and it, it, it's brief testimony. Um, okay, sorry. Thought we thought we lost our computer connection. Um, uh, brief testimony. They say it usually lasts a day or less. Um, but it's usually to kind of help decide whether or not this really needs to go to trial or not. Or what the what the actual damages might be, um, so it's kind of I, I guess so not really a a trial on the full merits of the case, but maybe just to hash out some something that smaller would, issues, smaller issue that that might help them decide. Okay, this is really what this is worth, and let's work out a, a deal. Y'all talk about a waste of time. <laughs> well, so so if maybe you're not. Go, if right. you're going to run a test case, at least let it be on a test case, not a real case, right? Right. I mean, so so in a sense, okay. Um, this will be interesting to see. I think that's out of the 470th District Court. Is that right? I just remember it's out County. of Collin County, right? Uh, the, I'm going to have to follow this. It, maybe we'll have an update for our next um, 
for our for our next episode to see you know give an update on how that went. But it's interesting how that's going. Um, that that even thought of doing a Zoom jury trial, right? You and I were talking earlier that if we're on a Zoom conference, there's about a 50-50 chance. I'm just, I'm going to be generous and say it's only 50-50 that I've got another screen up on my computer that is Yahoo, uh, me reading the news. Oh yeah. Um, you know, uh, l- looking for new socks on sure, you know Amazon the men, right, or Pinterest you know, or whatever. Whatever yeah. you know, just anything. Why? Because I'm just kind of half paying attention. Well, if somebody's life, liberty, and property, when a civil civil trial would be property, are at stake, I would hope the finder of fact, the trier of fact, would be more attentive than I am when I'm in a Zoom meeting. Yeah. And that's I, me I being real honest. That. That, 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 that's just being honest with my own self. I, I wouldn't trust me. Well, and we'll we'll talk about a couple cases because I I you and I talked about this in preparation for the episode, and I something doesn't does not sit right with me having a full blown jury trial. I I don't think in a criminal context that's going to be possible. Right. Um. I know that some courts have allowed testimony by video conference, and we'll talk about some of those cases today. I I think though. There's a lot of nuance that that a, a just a layperson can pick up on the credibility of what somebody is testifying to based purely off of body language, and that could be lost over a video conference. Right, uh, just just being able to look around the room and see other people. Yeah, I, you know, as we were prepping for this, I told you about a trial uh, that I did, and I knew. I was I was shocked that this person was allowed onto the jury since she knew both the people at defense table, uh, the 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 lead counsel and myself, and I noticed that during during testimony she kept giving me the stinky eye while I was examining a witness, and I, later I went and asked her. I said, "Did I, uh, you know, if you right. don't mind me asking, why why the stink eye?" She goes, "I just can't believe you were you were being that mean to that girl on the stand." Oh man. Okay, well, you know, I mean, I was cross-examining a female who was being uh, allegedly stalked um, right. or harassed. Uh, and, and so you have to ask some hard questions about the relationship, right? I mean, yeah. so... You know, we have a job to do, right? We, we yeah. do, we do. And, 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 I, and, and I think she would still say hello to me on the streets if, we, if, I, if I passed by her, but uh, that being the person the I knew. The juror? The juror, the juror, <laughs> okay. right. Um, uh, but I never would have seen that if we would have all been on Zoom because probably everyone would have been looking only at the person testifying and myself. Well, why? Because we'd be the only people talking. Yeah. Right? And if you have 12 jurors all in their own Zoom chat and a judge and a tele, um, uh, the, the court reporter and you know defense table and state's table, et cetera, some of those are going to automatically be off screen. You're going to have to have the person testifying and the person asking questions on screen. So juror number seven isn't on screen. I wouldn't pick up on the fact that I'm peeving her off by what I'm doing. Right. And that may may change what I'm doing if I can pick up on it and know that there's a different way or think there might be a different way to handle the questions. So I, I just... 
I would object, 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 object until my face turned blue uh, that a full trial by jury just couldn't be done on Zoom. No, yeah. And I, I, I think that's a little doomsday-ish. I don't think we're there. You know, my, my concern for having jury trials over Zoom, I don't think any judge is, is willing to do that. We have gotten some update that, that uh, some courts – um, that we practice in are going to be doing bringing injuries very soon. Yeah, it could um, be. We'll see if that really happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, so time will tell, I guess. Time will tell. But yesterday I actually got a phone call from our, our friend Alice Mador. Uh, that's right. We're friend co- of the show. Friend of the show. Uh, the chicken killing case. Yeah, okay. it, it's amazing how often that one comes up. Uh, <laughs> she, she actually called me yesterday uh, and asked, Hey, Andrew, do you know of... If 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 it's allowable for an officer, uh, like a police officer, law enforcement, to testify by Zoom, and there was a discussion between her and uh, the prosecutor on whether that could happen and when it would happen, um, and I said I said, well, my gut, my gut would tell me, and it's always good if you just go with your gut response, but I told her is my gut response that there's an exception generally for a child in a child-involved case. And usually that's because of the trauma of having, that they can sometimes testify via a a teleconference of some sort. Yeah, right. Um, but even that they try not to do if possible, right? Because there really is something about that confrontation clause in the U.S. Constitution and the Texas Constitution that says, I get to face my accuser and it, you know, that face to face interaction. Right. Um, so, so I was like, there is this an exception to the rule, but it's, it's for a kid. So my gut reaction would be, I wouldn't think that an officer, a, a police officer, law enforcement would be able to do it by zoom. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And the fact that if it's a police officer, likely he's, you know, maybe if it's a misdemeanor, the arresting officer, or maybe an investigator or something like that for a felony also, um, they are a fact witness, maybe the state's only witness. I I think there would be a violation of the of the confrontation clause. Right. So with that. So th- then, then y- you know me. You know I don't ever hear a question like that without doing some research, and the research right. became our show. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's because it's a good question. It's a good question, and it's timely because it's timely, we really yeah. think we're going to end up having some of this. So, uh, little did I know that Beaumont, the Ninth District Court of Appeals in Texas, <laughs> yeah. has two cases on point. Hey, Beaumont, you know, leading edge of uh, technology in the law I mean, when, in the when, state of Texas. When I, when I think technology in Texas, I think Austin, no, Houston. No, you'd be wrong. It's, it's <laughs> Beaumont. It's Beaumont, man. <laughs> uh, not only did they have, what was it, Spindletop? The, yeah. the, the, they also cutting edge, their court's cutting edge on, on uh, the confrontation clause and um, testifying uh, from a distance, remotely. Go Beaumont. So the first case is uh, was... From 2012, uh, Riviera v. State. In this case, the the witness. What's that? Do you have the citation on that? I don't. I do. It's uh, 381 okay. Southwest 3rd 710, and I'm sure that Andrew will put that in the show notes. Um, uh, will do. Yeah. Uh, so one witness was allowed to testify by video conferencing, and this this case was heard originally in. Um, 
like 2009, 2010, 2011. In that time, yeah. it's it's a 2009 case and takes a year for it to a year or so. But the issue was the witness was deployed and on active duty in Iraq. And the witness was the crime scene investigator that found fingerprints on the victim's vehicle. So this would be this would be a probably law enforcement, right? Um, yeah. right. Uh, or very possibly so, or or an expert of some sort. So this is like early in video conferencing type software, right? Because FaceTime wasn't created or released until 2010. I just Googled it, so I hope Google's accurate. But 2010 is the date that's popping up. So this is before FaceTime. Or, or, or right at the beginning of it. Right but, at the but yes, of this is this is gonna be pretty pretty new and yeah. literally from around the world. So there's gonna be there's gonna be some issues. Right. Right? There's always a little bit of delay anytime you're doing something via the internet. I imagine Skype's been around for, for a little bit longer, but um but yeah, so so still, it's not like the capabilities that we have, you know, 10, 11 years later. Right, right, exactly. But they allow him to testify, and that is obviously one of the things brought up on appeal, uh, is that this would be a violation of the Sixth Amendment of the Federal Constitution and the Texas Constitution Confrontation Clause. Um, and, and and they actually do a pretty good job doing analysis on this, and, and they, they repeat it in the next case I'm going to talk about. That it requires that the witness be placed under oath, the defendant be given the opportunity for cross-examination, and that the fact finder be provided with opportunity to observe the witness's demeanor. Um, hmm. it, it says that the confrontation clause guarantees the defendant a right to a face-to-face meeting with witnesses appearing before the trier of fact. Um, and while face-to-face confrontation is preferred, the preference must occasionally give way to considerations of public policy and the necessities of the case. Okay, so so what does that what does that mean? So so right now they're saying obviously face to face is the preferred method, but we have to be a little flexible. Yeah, I think that's exactly what they're saying that that sometimes other issues can can override um now this person is not wasn't an eyewitness wasn't the victim. They were an investigator that handled fingerprints on uh, on the on the victim's vehicle. Okay, so kind of a secondary witness, right? Secondary witness, maybe an expert on fingerprints. Yeah, just needed to keep the keep the chain intact, the the chain of custody. Okay, something to that effect. Correct. Um, and, and he is allowed to testify. Um, and no offense to anybody. Uh, uh, you know, I'm 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 ninety percent sure it's he. And and if you read it and find out I'm wrong, please tell me. Um, and, and the defense objected at time of trial and was overruled. Um, but basically they said, Hey, everyone could see him. They could see his demeanor. They could, they could cross examine him. Um, it wasn't like they couldn't confront him with questions of fact and of, of, uh, what they really saw and didn't see. And they said that there was no compelling public policy, uh, justifying that it could not be used um, in this case. Okay. That's interesting. Um, so, so in, 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 in later you're going to find that other cases will go, well, you know, like if somebody's deployed militarily and needs to testify by conferencing, that becomes an exception to the rule. Um, it, it, and you can see that it would be difficult to fly someone in from Iraq to, to testify right. on, so, you know, were, were there fingerprints on this car? 
Does does the case discuss like what would be compelling public policy reasons? It it doesn't necessarily give a whole lot to that. Um, yeah. It's much more that um, it's just like in this case, it's not. There's no right, real and, and, reason. The, and they say and and they cite um, uh, Maddox v. United States and in following cases. Uh, that, that basically the idea is that there are times which the preference of face-to-face must give way to the considerations of public policy and the necessities of the case. Okay. They keep referring to that. And so I think they look at it as purely this guy didn't – he had a very specific job in the investigation. He can't come back easily. And with this technology in 2009, 10, 11 uh, is – probably just as reliable as he would have been uh, had he actually been in the room. Okay. Okay. Um, so so we have this, this allowance. Um, so the, the first case I found, though, uh, is, is incredibly timely. Again, we're going to Beaumont. Good for you, Beaumont. Um, 2019, May 29, 2019, almost exactly a year ago. Uh, couldn't yeah. couldn't be couldn't be more on the nose. And this is a um, uh, sexual assault of a child, indecency with a child by contact. Several several cases, uh, several charges. And the same nurse testifies, and in this case, testifies on Facebook Live. What is uh, for our, for our audience, Andrew? Sane. What what is that? Uh, that'd be a sexual assault uh, nurse examiner. Examiner, right? right. And I'm glad you can remember they, the E because I yeah. couldn't remember the E. <laughs> what is, so what is what are we what what are they typically testifying to? Generally, they're going to testify to things like um, that they did an exam. They might have done swabs. They looked at the child. Um, and a sane nurse doesn't matter if it's a child or not. They're going to look at the the alleged victim, right. And look for uh, bruising, contact, um, signs of trauma. Um, they're going to listen to their story, medical history. Uh, they may take swabs depending on how and when the the contact allegedly took place. They may do a, a full on sexual exam uh, right. of the male or the female uh, to look for. What would look appear to be unusual sexual activity, um, especially? Well, we'll just go with that. We don't. Right. Need, we don't need to get more. Into yeah, it. signs of trauma or whatever. Yeah, thank so, you. Yeah, <clears throat> I was trying to find a nice way to say that. Yeah. So when when you hear in like common you know nomenclature like a rape kit being performed, this is probably the individual who has completed that or. Uh, collected samples for DNA or STD uh, testing, right? Um, anything like that. They're, they're the ones that put together what most people refer to as yeah. the rape kit. And we, we may have to do a whole separate episode on SANE exams because the kicker is um, they're supposed – they get a lot of their information in um, through, you know uh, – Seeking per- medical seek- help. Me- medical diagnoses or whatever, right? That's how they get around maybe the hearsay rule or whatever. Um, but for a lot of these things, it's it's pretty blatantly for a law enforcement purpose. Um, and so you just need to be, when you get that report, really digest it very, very clearly. But we're getting off track. Sane nurse testifying by Facebook Live. Yeah. And, okay. Okay. And, and it, it, it was it was shocking that it was by Facebook Live. Yeah, I'm I'm a little surprised. Like, not even in 2019, we could have done 
I don't know, something a little bit more professional, right? Snapchat <laughs> well, maybe or <laughs> No, I mean, you know, cuz wow. there are like Skype business accounts, Zoom certainly was around back then. Correct. There are there are better probably better mediums. You know, I'm, I'm just wondering like Facebook Live as she's testifying are the little like emojis popping up, you know, or people like doing the shocked face or the heart emoji or something and I that just can you make those private also? Like, is she just putting it out there for her on her feed? I, I, I really don't know. I'm not the guy to ask. Like, I've never done a Facebook Live. But remember, so so just, you mentioned, was it private? Remember that uh, when a court is in session currently via Zoom, and primarily only by Zoom, that is broadcast live in Texas on YouTube. Um, it's not recorded, and it's supposed to be taken down when it goes off. Why? Because the court is a public place, and the public has a right to 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 view the proceedings of the court. Sure. Um, so, I don't. Any courts doing that in the state of Texas, like in our small jurisdictions that we practice in, are they streaming those on YouTube? I don't know, but I know that's the way it's supposed to be yeah. set up. And we've and we've seen some Supreme Court arguments. Over YouTube, Jeep talked about that. Right, um, right. That was you know a couple episodes ago. I watched a a trial the the four nineteenth. I think it was the four nineteenth out of Austin when uh, there was a proceeding down there. I was interested in. I watched for an hour and forty five minutes. Watched the whole thing. Okay. Um, I know it was Austin. I think it was a four nineteenth district court, but that that may I've slept since then. So sure. please do not hold me to that. Okay. So back to Haggard. So Haggard uh, is accused of of touching. Uh, is that not only did the state object to the sane nurse testifying, it appears from reading it, it's not that she's deployed or that she's sick, which is also you know something that some people have said would be a good... She just didn't want to come in. So the state objected or the defense objected? I, I would think, I mean, because usually a sane nurse is the state's witness. Yeah, and so... Th but the defense did the right thing. They objected to this appearance over Facebook Live simply because... I don't really want to come in. Right. So so after Vordier, but prior to evidence, the state made an oral motion to allow the SANE as an expert and fact witness um, to testify via via FaceTime. And obviously the defense objected under the Sixth Amendment of the Confrontation Clause, the Fifth Amendment of Dupas, inside of Maryland v. Craig and Yates, uh, U.S. v. Uh, United States, or U.S. v. Yates, um, but the trial court went over how FaceTime worked, uh, found that they could display the nurse on a TV that was 60 to 65 inches in size. The, re ver the, the jury could see them. Um, the defense counsel and the defendant could see the testimony. The jury would be able to have a view of the saints at all times. And um, that she could be, uh, she was told to stay in front of the camera uh, or whatever her device was, and she was able to be cross-examined. Via Facebook Live. Via, according to the record, Facebook Live. Wow. Okay. And it says that several times, so I'm assuming they know what they were talking about because yeah, it's it, even like underlined. Right. Um. <laughs> yeah. So so it's interesting that that they they allow her to proceed, um, and they really don't give a reason why she doesn't come in. That yeah, I, I don't I don't see how that passes Rivera's public policy. Concerns. Right, right. Because what, what, what fear, what concern, what issue? Now, maybe there's something not not in the in the appellate uh, notes, 
Yeah. Um, right. You know, the same nurse might have been sick, um, might have uh, been quarantined for some reason. Uh, who knows? Who but, knows? I but mean, I the guess there's the day, any number of reasons out there. Or maybe it's just her schedule, you know? Right. But, but the, the issue, I think, becomes you and I have said we would want our witness or the state's witness to be there in the room. And again, they, they make an exception to this in part because she's not a, a actual witness. She's an expert witness and a sane nurse. So they, they, they kind of see that there's something different. So both of these cases have someone who is not a eyewitness. They're not the victim. They're basically part of the investigative team who has a specific role. Okay. Right. And th- this is one of those places where, you know, I, I, I love the courts. I tell people all the time that the appellate courts will find a way not to, t- not to address anything if they don't have to. And here they do the same thing. They say, well, even if there's an error, there's not any harm because the other testimony in the trial was so overwhelming that the jury could have found the defendant guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, even if the same nurse had not appeared. Yeah. You know, I'm wondering if um, I, I've read this opinion and, and I've I've just found a, kind of going back through the defense, uh, the defense's argument um, in making their objection, um, maybe shed some light on why she couldn't appear. Maybe she lived out of state. Um, something about she was uh, the the absence was voluntary and even she was given an oath. You know, like everybody, all right, witnesses they have, do, right? But it was by a Montana notary public. So I'm wondering. I mean, that would be kind of like being in Iraq on active duty. You know, like right. that's that's a lengthy trip to get back, to right? Or, or, or she she could have had a scheduled vacation or something. Yeah, everyone else, right? Um, so I'm I'm wondering maybe if that's sheds a little light on why she's not just like down, you know, two blocks away. Like I'm not appearing. Right. But but it it does it does then as as you and I have talked about. The question becomes, how far is too far and how close is too close? Right. Um, like, what creates the circumstance for needing to appear by video as opposed to getting in person. Your, your butt over to court right. to testify? Right. If I have an officer who has uh, moved um, from working in Fort Worth to working in Houston. Yeah. Right. Um, Oh, especially if he's flooded in, you know. Well, <laughs> Which he's happens just he, all the time in Houston. Right, right, but he's not flooded in. He's just moved. Okay. Is that four to five hour trip too much of a burden? Can he can can the state say he gets to come in by? You know, those Southwest flights are pretty cheap. You right. Know, I know. And, and I'm just pretty quick. But um, I but I I see what you're saying. Like you know, we had talked about maybe somebody moves to the Panhandle. You know, right. there's ice storms. Obviously, you know, somebody's safety could be an issue. I, I think if I was in trial, you know, my client's liberty to me is more important than anybody else's excuse for not showing up to court, especially if they've been subpoenaed properly. Um, you know, there is a there is a radius that that these subpoenas are good for for a misdemeanor, like, I don't know, 150 miles or something like that. And then for a felony just within the state of Texas. But um so I think anybody who fits that uh, is under the power of the court via subpoena to appear should appear. Um, I just think there's a lot well, that's but, lost but, over video. Right, but what they're saying is, dun, 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 yeah. they appeared. Um, well, 
Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I get that. And I know I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be flexible given the times with the, with the, um, advancement in technology and then the concern for, uh, being physically in you know, present safety. in right. uh, somewhere. Um, but at the same time, you know, that's not my life and liberty on the line. You know, I think that's just really important to keep in mind. Like, what what are we really sacrificing or these changes that we're making? What what do they mean for some of these individuals who get kind of caught up in the system? But this is interesting. Um, so so she's she's appearing by Facebook Live. Correct. Um, yeah, which, you know, Facebook is such an interesting, I don't know, interesting forum. For <laughs> for this, uh, that's something that that is really kind of interesting to me, um, and the court allows it. Court says nope, no. If there's error, it's harmless, right? Right. If there is error, it's harmless, and, and primarily because she's, uh, well, they could have found him guilty without it. Um, and then second, I, and I think this is the piece that that makes me nervous is that um, again she's acting as an expert. She's not. Act, she's not pointing out the defendant in court. She's not saying that's the guy that did it. She's saying this is what I can see and tell from my examination of the alleged victim. Um, and I think this is the likelihood of this being that person. So, but, but they actually say when, when they actually give us a three prong test, I love, I love a good test. Yeah, when that, assessing harm under a confrontation clause issue, we apply a three pronged test. First, we assume that the damaging potential of the cross-examination was fully realized. Second, that with the assumption in mind, we review the error by considering the following facts, the, important, the importance of the witness's testimony in the state's case, whether the testimony was cumulative, the presence or absence of evidence corroborating or contradicting material points of the witness's testimony, and the extent cross-examination was otherwise permitted, and the overall strength of the state's case. So in other words, that's a whole lot about like, what's the overwhelming evidence? And then third, we determine whether the error was harmless beyond a reasonable doubt. So apparently there was a lot of other evidence. It was not the only testimony, and it ends up being harmless beyond a reasonable doubt. How would you determine if, if the damaging potential of the cross-examination was fully realized reading the record and saying okay that was an effective cross i mean like no he could have yeah well we could have i mean would that have been in an appellate brief like if he was if this person was present in person i would have caught them in the lie because of their bot i mean i think that's an impossible prong uh, I don't know. I mean, my guess is how many questions did you get to ask? Did you really get to kind of flesh out your issues with the with the with the uh, witness? Um, but as you and I've commented, uh, if I if you're taking a picture of me at my desk on Zoom, it's basically kind of armpits up, right? You yeah. Know, mid mid torso up. Um, uh, but you may not see my hands if I have them in my lap. Right. Or well, yeah, if it depends on where your camera is, right? You can just frame your face. Right, right. So so if if I'm nervous um, and decide to have my dog, a good, you know, a well-behaved dog right at my feet and I'm petting the dog, right? Yeah. And that's a way to self-soothe so that I look more calm. Right. 
That's well, not something that you would have in not something I'd have in court. court. Or if I'm if I'm uh, religious and I have beads in hand, you know, whether they're just meditative or rosary or whatever, and I'm rubbing those again to self soothe, I can. Th- everyone in court can see that I'm doing something with my hand, but on video. You may not see that I'm self-soothing soothing so that I don't have a, a kind of an, a, a tick up of nerve or of, right. of fear or of anxiety, um, which may or may not necessarily be about testimony. It may be about that I'm not quite telling the truth or that I'm afraid of the person across the room. We don't know and we can't ask that question because we can't see it. Yeah, and that, you know, and that, I, I understand, like, there's kind of a double-edged sword, I guess. And we'll wrap this up because I know this is dragging on. But, like, just think about it. One, as the attorney, it's not my job to judge anybody's credibility. I need to elicit information in a way that defends my client and let the jury determine if that person is being credible or not credible. If Obviously, if I, have, if I know I can catch them in a lie, I'm going to do that, right? But some of these facial characteristics, these tics, these tapping of the leg or shaking of the leg, the shakiness... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, there's so many cues that are lost over over a video conference um, that uh, that you would see and observe in trial face to face, and that is information that a jury uh, could consider or just you know not consider uh, according to their choice. Correct. So we're, we're essentially just limiting what a juror could observe of that witness. Correct. Yeah. So so. Uh, again, I, there are some exceptions to to the face to face confrontation. Um, I, I think that any any good defense attorney would would say, "Hey, we have a right under the confrontation clause um, that that person needs to be brought in." And you know, make make the state of Texas or the prosecutor come up with what the public policy reason is that this person shouldn't come in. Yeah, quote um, these quote these. Um these uh, the, these cases for right. sure the, you know hey judge I just don't think they meet any of the prongs or I think they're going to fail this test or that test I mean right. even though the state was allowed to use video conferencing in these cases doesn't mean we Th- can't use three hours cases. in an inconvenience to drive from from Rockwall to Eastland or or to uh, Palo Pinto is not enough right to right. meet the public policy if if this person is the primary witness in this case they need to be here correct yeah yeah. So, so anyway, you. well, I think that's more than enough for today. We we we, we don't normally go this long, but we kind of got caught up and um, uh, excited about something that's really and we pretty timely. Talked to each other in quite a while, so it's yeah, good because to you, see you, beca- sir. Because you don't take my phone calls. Oh, um, <laughs> that's true. No. Uh, anyway, uh, please, please, please look for us on Facebook. Follow us uh, on Facebook. Go to our website, TexasCrimDefense.com. Uh, Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, like us, rate us, send us a question if you have one. We actually have one that's going to become a, an episode in the next few weeks or a few episodes um, of a caller or of a listener who reached out to us. Uh, so we do actually take value in that. And if you have an idea of an episode, let us know. Reach yeah. out to us. Again, I'm for Andrew Harris. I'm Andrew Decker. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, y'all. <laughs>